If you're new here, you're wondering why people are clapping right now. Let me just go and help you out with that. They are clapping because they are ready to hear the Word of God. Amen? Amen. We love the Word of God in this church. How you doing, church? Are you happy to be alive? Yeah, good, 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 good. I feel like I can say this just one more Sunday. It kind of feels like a new year to me because of the snow Sunday uh, last week. So if you're not from the Southeast, we had to shut down church last week, which we very rarely do. Uh, but because of that, it really feels like the new year. So happy new year. We are, um, we are excited that you are here today. I'm honored that you would be here. My name is Benji. I get the unbelievable privilege of serving here as one of the pastors, and I am just so glad you're here. And I'm always glad you're here, but I'm more um, excited that you're here today because what I'm going to talk to you about today, with no exaggeration whatsoever, will radically revolutionize your life. In fact, what I just texted the campus pastors because I love the campuses. Come on, can we welcome all the campuses? Welcome them. Woohoo! All of you all over the place. I love the campus pastors and I love their families. And I just texted them, I mean, right before I walked on the stage and I said, guys, please pay close attention to the message today. Like, I hope they always do, right? But I said, please pay close attention to the message today because I said, a lot of pastors don't live out what I'm going to talk about today, and they find themselves in bad trouble when it is all said and done. And I can echo that to you because I deeply care for you. I mean, I, I take very seriously my calling to pastor you and love you and shepherd you and serve you. And so I want desperately for you to get a firm grasp on the contents of what I'm going to talk about today. And before I even get into that, I just want to remind you, on January 29th, that's two Sundays from today, January 29th is Vision Day. It is our annual birthday where we celebrate the life of New Hope Church. Then uh, the very next Sunday, I'm starting a series titled, I Hate My Marriage, Finding Love Again. The subtitle, Finding Love Again, but the reality that many of you hate your marriage. Marriage is hard work. So invite your friends. Some of you know people and you're like, dude, their marriage is in trouble. Invite them. Invite them to this church. And then um, you should know that in March, I'm starting a series as well on the greatest chapter in the Bible. I believe one of the greatest chapters, Romans 8. And I've titled the series, The Great Eight. The great eight. And we're literally going to spend eight weeks in Romans chapter eight. Hello. Hello. Oh, guys, people love the word. So we, we got a great, uh, great season coming up ahead of us. Um, and let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we get ready to tackle an incredibly important subject. Father, thank you for my friends. Thank you for my campus pastors and their spouses whom I deeply love. God, I pray that all the pastors and the staff of this church, along with every person within the sound of my voice today, along with the person who is sitting in their living room watching this in front of a television or someone who is somewhere around the world watching this in front of a computer screen. Father, this is not about what I want from any of them. This is about what I deeply desire for them. And thankfully, God, have experienced in my own life because men have stood before me and taught me such truths. So, Father, we give you our hearts today. Ask that you fill with them 
We give you our minds today and ask that you think through them. Would you take my lips today, Lord Jesus, and would you speak through them? For if you do not speak today, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. And the people of God said together, amen. Amen. Grab your teaching notes. Grab the pen. Lean in. Let me ask you some questions. Would you not all agree that money is a stressful topic for many people? Any old rockers in the house, Pink Floyd, remember the song Money? We might do that next week, I'm just saying. Which usually means we will do that next week. Would we not all agree that money is a stressful topic for many people? Second question, would we not all agree that money is one of the leading causes of arguments and sometimes divorces within the covenant of marriage? And would we not all agree that much of the coercion, deceit, thievery, and outright sin of humanity is a direct result of worshiping the almighty dollar? Well, (laughs) we are all on the same page. We all know the answer to those questions is yes. Don't take my word for it. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into the ruin, into ruin and destruction. Now, that's a powerful word from the Bible. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This is an important topic that we're talking about today. Your future, your blessings, your favor, everything that God wants to give you in one way or another is probably connected to the stuff we will talk about today. So since we all agreed on those three questions that I asked you, and since the word of God clearly makes it obvious to the church, man, if you don't get your money right, you are going to end up in grief and destruction. Here's another question for you, or a statement, I should say. It would have been incredibly cruel, tell me if you agree with this, incredibly cruel and parentally insensitive if God had just not left us clear instructions and guidance on how we are to understand earning, spending, giving, and saving money. Agreed? I mean, it would have just been cruel. Parents in the house, parents. It would be like if you had children and you gave them an allowance or you gave them money or you gave them stuff. We all give our kids something and we didn't teach them how to use money wisely. That would be cruel for you or for me as a parent. And it would have been cruel if God would have done that with us. Which is my way of saying in an introduction, we should all be absolutely thrilled that we're sitting here today. And we get to tap into what God says that we should do with our money. If you believe it, can I get an amen? So let's go get it today. Let's go get it today. The Bible says this. The Bible says this. No one can serve what? This is Jesus, by the way. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and... Now, 
if Jesus were here, which he is, I know, right? But if he's like really here in person, I'd ask him. I'd say, I didn't expect you to put it that way. You cannot serve both God and money. I would have thought the Bible would say, you cannot serve both God and Harley Davidson's. You, you cannot serve both God and ribeye steaks. But, but Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. The very clear point that Scripture is making on the front end for us to do a little self-evaluation here today is if you are serving your money, you are missing the mark. And some of you are so stressed out over money that it feels like you're serving money all the time. It feels like you're serving the almighty dollar when reality, now don't, don't miss this, this is very important. You are not to serve your money, your money is to serve you. And if your money is serving you, and if you are dialed into God, then really your money is serving God. And I'm not just talking about the tithe here. You're going to see very quickly in this very short series, this series is not just about the tithe to the church. No, no, no. This is about a holistic portrait of your money. Again, we don't serve money. We serve who? And we let our money serve us. Now, I want to talk to you about a time-tested rule of wisdom. And some of you are going to go, yeah, I get that. I was taught that. Young person, let me go and warn you. This is going to be a head-scratcher. Okay? I want to give you a time-tested rule of wisdom. And if you are a young person, this might sound like Greek to you. You, you, might, you might go, what? What is, he, what is he talking about? I, I didn't even know that was possible. Are you ready for it? Young people, I don't think you can handle it. I, I don't think you're going to be able, I don't think you're even going to be able to absorb this. All right, here it is. Time-tested rule of wisdom. If you didn't have the money to buy something, you wanted, we're talking about in the old days, you weren't allowed to buy it. <laughs> Young people are going, wait, what, what, what? Say that again? I don't understand. No, 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 no. I'll slow down this time. And, and it's not just young people. I'm not picking on the young people. There are old people who have forgotten this. Or they were never taught this. Or they were taught this. And like many things, they said, to heck with that. So let's, let's read it. We might slow down our pace a little bit. Let's read it. Because I know this is, this is foreign in America. Okay, ready? Ready? We'll read it a little bit slower. So stick with me on the count of three. One, two, three. If you didn't have the money to buy something you wanted, you weren't allowed to buy it. Some people are going, I still don't understand. Um, <laughs> hey, if you need to see a campus pastor or, or myself after the service for us to unpack this a little bit more, we'll, we'll slow down and we'll unpack that a little bit more. This is crazy. This is crazy. The people in America don't talk like this anymore. Did you know that before the Great Depression, before the Great Depression, only 2% of the homes in America had mortgages on them? And 40 years after the Great Depression, only 2% didn't have mortgages on them. Do, do you see how we 
flip-flop. Now, I'm not ever saying you're wrong to have a mortgage on your house. Most people today, that's one of the few things, that, if they're healthy financially, that's one of the few things that most people have to have. But what has happened in America is we've had a mind shift generationally where we don't understand this anymore. The Bible says this in Proverbs 13, 7. Now we'll pick back up our pace, okay? Let's go to normal. Ready? Go. One person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great. We have become a nation of pretenders. Wow. Okay. So, so you know, we all, we all, I think there's a television show that just came out on this, by the way. I haven't watched it, but I saw it uh, advertised. The have-nots or the have and the have-nots. Oh, I see a lot of head shaking. I, I don't know if that's good or not. I'm not embracing that. I'm not endorsing that show. But we don't really have a country anymore with the have and the have-nots. We have a country of the haves, the have-nots, and the have-not-paid-for-what-I-have. That's what we have in America. And that last category seems to be the fastest growing area. And because I love you, again, I want to teach you some unbelievable truths that I am certain will bless your life. And I'm going to do it in a way today, if you will allow me, to speak positively over your life. Like, I, I, the way, even the way I'm teaching is I'm going to be teaching, pos, I'm going to be proclaiming positive biblical truths over your life in hopes and prayer that you can start to imagine that it is true. Martin Luther King Jr., Martin Luther King Day tomorrow, everybody knows I'm a big fan of MLK. MLK said this, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. So I'm hoping today by, by speaking truths over your life and by speaking them positively and encouragingly, you will take a first step today. Whatever that is for you. But you will take that first step and let God start to move in your finances so that in 2017, and my prayer is for the rest of your life, you can live, here it is, church, right on the money. If you want it, say, bring it, Pastor. Woohoo! You are dialed in here. I hope they are at the campuses as well. Take out your teaching notes. I've already said that, but I want you to get them. Right on the money. If you're going to live your life right on the money, and you're going to figure this thing out once and for all. We are going to have to embrace the value of self-control. Somebody just said Jesus. Sometimes that's all you can say is Jesus. We're going to have to embrace the value. It'll help you to say it. To embrace what, church? For the rest of this message, let's see some spouses sitting together. There is no elbowing of one another. Everybody say self-control. Self now, come on, come on, come on. Say self-control with a smile on your face. Ready? The Bible says this. Come on, come on, come on. Like a city whose walls are broken through, it's a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken through. If you've ever been to the Holy Land, hopefully you'll go with me one year. The cities were built and there were walls built up to protect them from the enemies. If you 
don't have self-control in your finances. You will be like a city without walls. You will be exposed to the enemy and you will be destroyed. Self-control. We don't have that much in America anymore. Reminds me of the pastor who shared with his staff right about this time, New Year's. He shared, I'm going to get in shape this year. I am going to lose weight. I am on a diet. And his staff kind of chuckled because they knew this man loved, loved, loved chocolate-covered glazed donuts. And they said, we will pray for you, but that's a big New Year's resolution. He said, I'm going to do it. He made it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, he walked into the church with like a dozen chocolate-covered glazed donuts and they said time out what are you doing you're not supposed to eat these you said you were done with these he goes I know I know and I've been working on self-control but I went by the donut shop and, and I told the Lord I told the Lord I said Lord if there's not a parking place right in front of the donut shop if there's not a parking place right in front of the donut shop I'm just going to keep going to work but Lord if there's a parking place in front of the, I'm going to take it as your sign that I need to eat a donut. No, no, you're laughing too early. He said, and on the fifth lap around the parking lot, a spot <laughs> opened up. Homeboy struggled with self-control. Ladies, can I speak to the ladies? <laughs> She said, yes, sir. She, she knew it was coming. Ladies, you will nickel and dime things to death and in the process call it saving money. Ladies, you'll say, honey, 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 how do you like this dress? It goes with my new hairdo and my nails and it was on sale. And then you end it with this, ladies. Like, I saved money. No, you didn't. <laughs> ladies, I love you enough to tell you. No, no, you didn't. And don't let some ladies gonna get out and walk out. Don't walk out on me. I'm coming to the men. Don't worry. No, you, you didn't save money. No, 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 you didn't. You would have saved money if you didn't buy the dress. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anti-buying dresses. But it's this whole thing of, I saved money because it was on sale. No, you didn't. You crazy. <laughs> Number one, the marketing schemes always jack prices up and then put them on sale, make you feel like you're doing good. And number two, no, no, the only way you save money is you, you save money. Have you ever thought about how ridiculous that is? I saved money by spending money, but I saved it because it was on sale. Guys. I've often heard it said that the only difference between the man and the woman is the size of our toys. Now, guys, we, we, might, not, we might not nickel and dime quarter things to death. And we might not be spending little amounts of money. But we'll come home and say, honey, I got a truck. It's in the driveway. <laughs> or before you look, I got a boat, too. And we buy, we buy big ticket items. And I am not, you know, I'm not, you know, Cosmic killjoy today. 
I'm not telling you not to get things, but you only should get things when you can rightly afford. Remember the time-tested nugget of wisdom? Some of you need to learn to say no. On the count of three. Let me hear you say One, two, three. That was okay. My daughter, my, my firstborn, she's in college now, but my firstborn, Amy Lynn and I knew we needed some help parenting. When, when our daughter was about, you know, 18 months and she'd walk around the house and she'd go, no, 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 no. I mean, we're like, honey, I think, I think we're messing up our child because the only word she knows is no. Because <laughs> she was learning it from us so much. But then Anna Grace would get emphatic about it. She, no, no. So let's try it again a little more emphatic. One, two, three. Ooh, ooh. We have to learn to say no. Ladies, do you really need to get your nails done twice a month? <laughs> I heard, I heard, I heard 90% no's, but I heard 10% yes. You might, you might, and if you got the money, go for it. Get the pedicure, get the manicure, get it all. But don't do it if you don't have the money for it. And single ladies, by the way, I've never heard a guy said, man, did you see her set of nails? <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. Oh, no, he didn't. I can't believe I just said that in church. <laughs> I'm just telling you, ladies, I've never heard a guy say that. Never. <sighs> Do you really need that $5 cup of coffee from Starbucks? <laughs> Oh, it's getting out of control up in here. Nobody's fault but mine. Does your 12-year-old really need an iPhone 7? I think I heard a young person over here yell yes. No. Parents, one of the greatest things you can teach your children is delayed gratification. My children sometimes think we are the Antichrist. <laughs> because, Dad, everybody has an iPhone 7 in middle school. It's nice to know, son. If you want one, go buy one. If you don't, put a shut to the up. And I'll buy you one when it is time. Guys, 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 do you really need a brand new car when it depreciates 20% when you drive it off the lot? Do you really need a brand new car every two to three years? Don't miss this. I told you this will change your life. We're going to, no, I'm saying it positively too. We are going to learn to say no for a little while so we can say yes for the rest of our lives. 
Those are the people that want to say no. The others of you aren't sure, so let's practice it one more time with a smile on your face. No. One, two, three. No. You're done good. Right on the money. Right on the money. We're going to embrace the value of sacrifice. Now, if you think self-control is something that makes you feel all giddy and want to run around the building, that, this one might even do it even more, right? We are going to embrace the value of sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. Jesus. We have to look no farther than Jesus to understand the power of sacrifice. Hebrews 12, out loud together, go. Let us fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the set before him endured the cross. We're going to fix our eyes on who? The author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the what? Set before him, sacrificed and endured the cross. I've always said every healthy conversation about money amongst the believers. Man, if you're not a believer today, you're just sitting here, man, you can just take, take a pass on all this. But if you're a believer today, every believer should think about money against the backdrop of a blood-stained cross. For God so loved the world that he what? God is a giver. God is generous. As we grow in Christ, we learn to handle our finances and we become generous people. But look at Jesus. Jesus, for the joy set before him, sacrificed to save you. Now, let me just teach you what sacrifice is. Definition. Maybe a new one for you. I don't think you've probably heard it put this way. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love even more. Are we tracking? Sacrifice is giving up something you what? Love for something you love even more. Can I give you a few examples? You might really love watching cable television. You love it. But you love the audacious notion of one day living a debt-free life so much so that you decide to kill cable in the house. Which, by the way, I'm going into some people's houses these days, and they figured out how to kill cable and lock into certain, uh, certain things like Netflix and Hula and others where they don't pay for cable, and they still get to watch a bunch of stuff. My point is there's creative ways for you to still watch TV, but you, some of us watch way too much TV. But let's just go back to the, just the raw illustration. You might love cable, but you love being debt-free even more so you give up cable. Some of you, oh, it kills me to think about it. My pastor's heart again. Some of you are going to be paying for Christmas 2016, all of 2017. Even though I warned you going into December, don't do it. And I warn you every single year. But get out of debt in 2017 and then spend at Christmas 2017 only that which you can afford. And if your kids then start to think you are the Antichrist, blame it on your pastor. 
Some of you might want, let me give you a few more examples. Some of you might want a bigger house. But what you want even more is to stay home with the kids or have good time, quality time with your kids. And the clock is ticking and they're going to be leaving. No, no, I'm not asking you to clap. I was saying the clock was ticking. Y'all funny. <laughs> the clock is ticking. <laughs> the clock is ticking and you realize your time with them is limited. So you give up the bigger house because what you love even more is having a workable schedule so you can parent those precious biscuit snatchers God gave you. You may be in college, young person, and you love being alone. You just, you, you need your quiet time. You don't like to be around people. But you love even more the idea of getting out of college debt-free or minimal debt. So you decide to bunk up with three or four college students or sleep on the couch. Do, do you see what I'm saying? It's giving up stuff that you love for stuff that you might love even more. Here's a, here's a powerful illustration. I, I learned this this week while preparing for this message. No, last week, I'm sorry. Last week, because this week, well, last week was snow week, so I had this message prepared last Sunday. I learned this. I read an article. Did you know, those of you who go to work, how many of you go to work and you, you and you're not going to admit it, so I'm not going to ask you to show your hands, because you, you know what's coming. You, you eat out at, for lunch a lot. You go out to eat for lunch in restaurants, right? That's a lot of you, a lot of you. I'm not poo-pooing your, your lunches. But I read in an article that if you, if you brown bag your lunch over the course of a typical career, you can save $112,000 by brown bagging that bad boy. Now, restaurant owners are mad at me right now. Send me an email. I've given you my email address before. I'm not going to do it again. $112,000. I want to pause right now. Say some of you are starting to feel stressed because this is hitting home. And I want you to know that in March, we're going to have a class at all of our campuses, if I'm not mistaken, called I Once Was Broke, But Now I'm Not. And we're going to be unpacking all this stuff in March. Mark your calendar. We have an interest meeting today at the Durham campus right after the second service. So you can go, you can go out to eat or go brown bag it. Come back for that. And we're going to have an interest meeting next week as well right here at the Durham campus. But for those of you who are at the campuses, just mark your Connect card. Mark your Connect card. I once was broke. Now I'm not. We never want to teach you this stuff without really slowing down to help you apply it and figure it out. I don't even know if I should do this next section. I don't, I don't, I don't know if, I, I really don't, it's, it, it, it's too mind-blowing. Do it? We all have credit cards. We all have credit cards, right? You don't want this. You really don't want this. All right. Average credit card balance last year was $14,517. 14, that's, that's a trip to Disney. Seriously, you, you, you know, hey, honey, we got to take the kids to Disney. They're growing up. They, they got to experience Disney. Let's go. You go to Disney. Been there enough times, I know. It, it, it'll cost you around 14 dollars okay? 
Maybe 20 for some of you, maybe 10 for others of you. Uh, somebody, just, I talked to them this morning, they went to the Clemson, uh, Alabama National Championship, go Tigers! And, and they, spent, they spent about that much um, when it was all said and done. That's your balance. I'm digressing all over the place. Disney football. <laughs> minimum payment, the credit card company's going to tell you, the minimum payment that you have to pay on that minimum is $217.93. Are we tracking? Many of you just make minimum payment. Hopefully you won't do that after today or you'll start making changes so that you can slowly take, remember Martin Luther King quote, you can take a step. Just take, just take a step. Let's assume the stinking, sinful, paganistic credit card companies, sorry, charge you an 18% interest rate, which is not uncommon, 18% interest rate on that credit card. Tracking? It will take you 40 years to pay off that debt. Now, others of you might have, if I'd asked that question, I was going to ask that question. I, I missed it. I'm sorry. I was going to ask you, how long do you think it'd take to pay that off? Some of you would have said three years, five years, 10 years. Maybe some of you would have said 15 years. 40 years to pay off that 14.5 credit card debt. Should I continue? I don't think, I don't think you want it. That one debt of $14,000, if you pay minimum payment, which as I said, will take you 40 years, will end up costing you $104,606.40. Flip it. Imagine that you decided, I'm going to start saving and somehow or another. Oh, imagine this. Let's take our same scenario. You said, forget Disney. You put the kids on the couch and you put on the freaking Disney Channel. <laughs> That's funny right there. You say, call it Disney, baby. <laughs> oh, all right. You just imagine you saved up that $14,000. You invest that same $14,000. Let's go, let's go somewhat aggressive, but not as, not as aggressive as the credit card company. Let's just say you invest it at 12%. If you invest $14,000 for 40 years at 12%, the same amount of money becomes $1,350,000. $820.94 cold, hard cash in your pocket. Now, let me just, let me just put it all together. $14,000 paid as a debt, as a minimum payment on your credit card, costs you $104,000. But if you invest that for 40 years... You have $1.3 million to retire on. I think it was Einstein. Don't quote me on this. But I think it was Einstein who said the greatest power in the world is compounding interest. Now, we know the greatest power in all the world is what? Almighty God. But I get his point. 
Should I move on or you want a little more? You sure? All right, just a little bit more because we're going we're gonna to ta- take it to a whole nother level. Let's just say you took that $14,000 that you saved and you invested for 40 years, but you took that 270, remember the minimum payment? You took that $217 that the paganistic sinful credit card company was hoping and praying you would pay as minimum payment. You instead invest that on top of your $14,000 for 40 years at 12% interest. Are you ready for this? At the end of 40 years, you will have 3.597,615 cold, hard cash. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Unbelievable. The power of getting your financial house in order and taking steps. Even if it's baby steps, taking steps. Can you imagine what you could do as an individual or as a family, and can you imagine for a moment what we could do as a church if we started to live our lives with financial wisdom instead of being in the world and of the world, doing the same old stuff that everybody else is doing. I got to move on. But noodle on that one this week. Right on the money, number three, we are going to embrace the value of planning. We're going to embrace the value of planning. Of what, church? Look at what Jesus said. Again, Jesus, Luke 14. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Read your Bibles. Read your Bibles in 2017. They're just so chock full of wisdom. Jesus, won't you figure out and estimate the cost to see if this is just wisdom? Okay, let's go back to Proverbs in the Old Testament. Out loud, ready, go. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to... What are the plans? Plans lead to what? To profit. What does haste lead to? Take a step this week. Take a step this month. You need more than a week to figure this out. Take some steps. Get a financial advisor if you need it. We have financial coaches at this church. Some of you didn't know that. We have financial coaches here. And by the way, if you're sitting here, I see some of you, man, I know you well too. You're sitting here and the whole time I'm teaching, you've got this beautiful, peaceful smile on your face. Because you know all this and you're living it. If you, if you ace this stuff and, and you would be willing to sit down with new hopers, 
Would you mark your Connect card that you're willing to be a financial coach? We already have some, but I kind of have a sneaky feeling that we're going to need more. We want to help you figure this out. Come up with a plan. And here's one of my favorite maxims in life. Plan the work and then work the plan. You got to plan the work and then you got to work the plan. So let me end today with giving you a plan. Okay? I live this plan. Some of you might not know this, but this church operates according to this plan. Okay? This is a plan that mentors have taught me. I don't take credit for it, but it will revolutionize your life. Think about all the stuff I've given you to think about today, but now stop and just think about what you make, whatever that is for you. Here is a time, another time-tested, awesome plan that will change your life. If you're going to get your finances in order and you're a Christ follower, again, if you're not a believer, just take a pass on all this. We're glad you're here. Come back next week. Next week, I'm going to be talking about what I believe is the highest level, highest level of understanding practically and theologically money. It's the last uh, part of the series. It's only a two-part series. But you don't want to miss next week because it's going to go to the highest level. But if you're a Christ follower, what you do to get your house in order to plan the work and then work the plan is right out of the get-go. And, and most of you know this, so I don't have to spend much time on this. You just honor God with 10%. You give 10%. It's called the tithe. You honor God. You give it to God first. God doesn't receive very well leftovers. It's first. You honor God with the tithe. Secondly, you take another 10% and you save it for retirement. Are we tracking? What do I do? Again, this is what we do. This is what this church does. We take 10% and we give it to the Lord. And in our case, it's a little bit more as a church. In our case, a little bit more than 10%. That's like missions for us, right? But this is, this is how we do it. Amy Lynn and I look at our income, figure it out what it's going to be. Books, speaking, all of that kind of stuff. Whatever it's going to be, income from the church, figure out the tithe. Bam. We give that to the Lord first. Then you take 10% and you put it towards retirement. Young person, I know it's hard to imagine, but you're going to get old. And one day, you're probably not going to be able to work. <laughs> I shouldn't say this. And if you're counting on Uncle Sam, if you're counting on Social Security and Uncle Sam to take care of you, you need to get off the drugs. How much to the Lord? How much do I save? I live off 80% of my income. So again, what this church does is we give 10% away. Boom. It's more than 10%, as I've already said. We put 10% away in what you might call a rainy day fund, an emergency fund. If something happens, like we have units go out at campuses, or you never know when some, stuff happens. You've seen the bumper sticker. Stuff happens. And this church lives on 80%. Your pastor lives on 80%. And what I'm praying you will do is just take a step towards this kind of plan 
I mean, some of this is a little, I mean, some of this is a little negotiable. It's a little malleable. I mean, I understand this, I believe, is not. I believe, I believe the Bible's clear about this, and you, you should be able to sue me for pastoral malpractice if I sit up and say, I oh, don't worry about that. Tithe is whatever you want. No, 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 no. The Bible is crystal clear from start to finish, unequivocally clear. If you're going to follow God, the bare minimum, you should want to give. God loves a cheerful giver. You should want to give 10%. You, you can figure all this out, but I, it's just been taught to me. I believe it's awesome. I'm going to put 10% toward the day when my bride and I can't work. And y'all are, y'all are rolling us down up in here in a wheelchair. And we're sitting right here. Some young whippersnappers on the stage slinging it and bringing it. And then we live off of 80%. Will radically revolutionize your life. Am I saying that all of you at all of our campuses can walk out of here today and make this happen? <laughs> don't, don't be overwhelmed by it. Don't, be, don't get depressed. Don't get defeated. Don't get stressed. You're too blessed to be stressed. Tweet that. But take steps. Get help from the church or elsewhere take steps and in time if you will be disciplined in time if you want to get right on the money in time you will become a person who embodies self-control doesn't mean you don't have nice things in life. Doesn't mean you can't reach a point where you're blessed and you have the finer amenities of life. You just don't go into debt to get them. You learn to embrace sacrifice. That's what Jesus did. And you learn to live out a plan. You plan the work and you work the plan. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, I thank you for your beautiful bride. I thank you for your church. I thank you for your wisdom, God, that you didn't leave us orphaned. But you left us your word and the Holy Spirit to help us figure these things out. Father, I thank you that that your word is so good and it gives us such direction. And I thank you that your people are faithful and they lean in and they want to grow. And God, I just thank you for the unbelievable privilege to stand before your people and try my best to teach your word. Father, would you bless them in this next year? Would they make some plans? Would they work the plans? God, I pray that you bless them not only in 2017 but it, it'll be a, a year of planting God it'll be a year of planning it'll be a year to get right on the money and as a result God you would unleash your favor your blessings your protection your goodness on men and women who understand the power of self-control and sacrifice and planning if you're here today at any of our campuses, and I know sometimes we give salvation calls at moments like this, but it's not what I'm doing here today. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Lord, I, I've got some areas where, 
where I need to develop self-control or God, I, there's some areas where I need to embrace sacrifice or, or Lord, I want you to know today that I'm going to start being more diligent in my planning. I'm not going to allow my haste and my lack of self-control or sacrifice lead me to poverty. Instead, God, I'm going to embrace these concepts and I commit to you this day that I am going to make some fundamental changes and take some steps forward in my life with self-control and sacrifice and planning. If that's you, you're going to take steps today in some sort of way. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? Just lift it up. The Holy Spirit has convicted you today. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's just, it's just so, Father, your children are reaching out to you. They're not reaching out to a man. But God, I just pray and in that little act of of extending a hand at any of our campus locations or maybe just in our hearts, God, we're just convicted. And I pray that in this moment, God, your Holy Spirit would solidify, challenge, convict, and encourage all of us, Lord God, all of us to get our lives right on the money. This we pray powerful name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And the people of God said together, amen and amen. Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast. If you have any prayer requests or praises, we'd love to hear from you. Just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org and we would love to pray for you. If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast. And thanks for being a part of our church family.